0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host of the Business Creators Radio Show, and I want to thank you and welcome you for tuning in to today's episode. Now, as the name suggests, our guest experts are and our attendees are known as business creators. And in order to describe what a business creator is, you would fall into one of the following four categories. The first category are going to be folks who are entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. The second category are marketing and business coaches. The third category are folks who help others build their businesses. And the fourth category are do-it-yourselfers who run your own businesses and love to have your own hands on the lever. And this applies to a significant portion of our audience because as much as we talk about outsourcing and as much as we talk about leverage, there is something to be said for some folks for just having the power and having the creative control. Now, if you are any of the above categories, please take a moment and explore episodes and discover how our experts can help you win a business at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Now, also, please be sure to check us out on iTunes. Visit our iTunes channel by searching for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us spread the message and help more business creators win at the game of business and marketing. So for today's episode, I'm especially excited to have with us a gentleman named Jimmy Burgess. And he's going to speak with us about the biggest difference between survivors and thrivers. See, what happens is sometimes when life knocks you down – you find yourself faced with a question. Do you get yourself back up and take control, or do you just curl up in a ball and lick your wounds? There's a big difference between people who survive and people who who thrive, and we find this in their mindset. And what happens a lot with entrepreneurs and business creators is we think because we have – Set aside the idea of working a nine to five job or being corporate or going with the flow, the lot of those things that affect other people we should be immune to. But the fact is we're not immune to it. We come down with illnesses, we have relationships and we have issues with our families, we have issues with ourselves, we get hurt while rock climbing. There's so many different things that can happen to us. Or so we discover a business setback, we lose a major client. But the difference is between those of us who will survive and thrive, and this is what Jimmy's going to speak with us today, because it's possible to bounce back from any setback you may have faced. Your struggle did not come to stay, but it came to pass. This is something I want you to latch on to. It did not come to stay, but it came to pass. Take action now, and things will begin to change. Now, what you need to know about Jimmy is that he is the author of the book, What Just Happened, How to Bounce Back in Life, So You Can Do More, Have More, and Be More, and he's enjoyed his share of business success. His business success has included founding and building three different companies that have achieved revenues in excess of a million dollars, so we have a definite business creator with us today. However, like most people, he's faced extreme adversity financially, physically, and relationally along the way, which I think applies to almost all of our listeners. Bouncing back from these adversities led him to write his book, What Just Happened?, and in the book, he revealed the seven steps he uncovered that he used and that others have used throughout history to turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Jimmy's an entrepreneur, author, speaker, coach, encourager, and eternal optimist. He says his greatest accomplishments include being married to his beautiful wife, Tasha, for 16 years and their three kids, including teenage daughters, Libby and Logan, as well as their six-year-old son, Fisher. So, Jimmy, do we have you on the line? Hello, Jimmy? Hang on one second here. Let me see if I got the right line. Okay, Jimmy, do we have you? Yeah, can you hear me, Adam? There we go. There we go. Looks like uh, <laughs> looks like you tried to dial in twice, like you had some slight technical difficulties. So uh, hopefully <laughs> everything's okay now because I'm looking forward to a great interview. And don't uh, yeah, worry about I'm it. I'm so it excited like to be with you. <laughs> Absolutely. And don't worry about that. Things have happened to me once. I once got kicked off as the host of my own show, and my guests had to carry it for 10 minutes until I found a phone line at work. So it happens to pretty much all of us. I'm just so glad you're here. I'm excited to be here. I really am. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the interest of time, because I know we have a bunch to cover here, and before we dive in, let's just take a quick step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little. Just tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today, how you've come to help entrepreneurs and business leaders bounce back in life so they can do more, have more, and be more.
1: Yeah, let let me give you kind of the quick story of I was in a job. I had taken a job. I I had a background in real estate sales. I got burnt out on that. I took a job as a commercial lender, and um, it was one of those situations where it was kind of I I enjoyed – the work and the people that I worked with, but it wasn 't that I had a passion for it, and so right. um, even though my business was growing, um, I just there was something missing you know and, and it was really the first right. time i 'd really worked for somebody else um, i just i 'd always my entire life kind of been an entrepreneur kind of been in control of everything in my life as far as my business wise not in control but actually having some say so and some input on what happens um so after right. a year um i had been told you know hey you're doing great the bank's going to take care of you and uh we go to uh get this raise that i think maybe this is going to give me that passion Um, And we all know sometimes those things don't come like we think they do. And when it didn't come, it finally got me to a point where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I finally got to a point where I said, you know, if things are going to change for me, then I'm going to have to change. And so I just became just almost uh, um, obsessed with learning more about positivity, Um, studying people who had done things in business, biographies. Anybody that had any success, it really didn't matter to me what business it was in. I just wanted to learn what it was that made them, instead of just ordinary, extraordinary. And so when I began doing that, um, I began to focus and realize that it was all about other people. You know, I think we've all heard that saying by Zig Ziglar, if you help enough other people get what they want, you can have everything that you want. Well, I found it to be true. I, I began after not getting that raise, to ask all of my customers and clients what it was that they needed and uh, what would help their business. And they began to tell me, and all of a sudden I realized that the people over on my right hand that had told me certain things they needed, that some of the people on my left hand had what these people needed. I began to put them together, and Adam, it was it was crazy. I mean I left the job three months after not getting that raise, and within a year – my uh, average – my salary, my annual salary at the bank became my average monthly income. And then within two years, it became my average biweekly income. But what happens sometimes, at least it did for me, is when the money starts coming in so fast, I just really lost focus on who I was. Uh, I began to
0: okay. think it was
1: about me. Um, I began to uh, let my pride and my ego make me make decisions that just didn't make any sense. you know, and uh, And I got away from who I really was. And when you do that, when you begin to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision because you think you're bulletproof, um, bad things can happen. And just as quickly as things can happen good, they can happen to the downside as well. And that's what happened to me. I, I won't ever forget the day. It was May fourth, two 2009. Um, after having literally millions of dollars coming in that should have set us up for life, I'm sitting in Pensacola, Florida with my wife in the front seat of my car. We're about to go in and have to claim bankruptcy at the federal bankruptcy court and i'm just sitting there i'm just like what just happened how could i how could i let something that should have been a blessing turn to a curse how how could i put my family in this situation how could i take and take these things that should have been able to give me the ability to help others and just blow it and i I was ashamed i had guilt um you know i was angry it was just a bad place to be well I knew about three. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. So about three to four months before the actual bankruptcy, I was sitting in my office. And if you've ever been in a situation where you struggle financially, I mean, I literally was probably as close as I've ever been to being um, in a situation where I was just depressed. And I, I mean, I literally the Wait. phone would ring, and it, I would cringe at them because I I, I would think it's probably bill collectors, and, and there's nothing I can say to them, you know, and. I just remember right. trying to take a full breath even. I couldn't even t- I just it, it, you couldn't even take a full breath because of the weight of all that pressure on me. And I just remember thinking I got to change. I got to get back to basics and you know for a couple 3 years all I did was focus on the things I was worried about and I was focused on me instead of on other people. And I was sitting there, you mentioned it in the intro, and I remember Les Brown, big booming voice of Les Brown the motivational speaker I was listening to a CD because I got back focused on pumping that negativity out of my mind and and filling it with positivity. Les Brown was saying one day, and he said, your troubles have come to pass and not to stay. And it was like it hit me in my soul. I mean, something happened where I shifted from being on my heels and playing defense. So I moved back to my toes playing offense. I began to, instead of waiting on life to throw things at me and reacting to them, I began to start making moves in a way that I could begin to let things begin to react to me again. And we were able to bounce back financially pretty quickly. But it wasn't even about that. I remember, uh, Adam, about a year after that, I'm, I'm sitting there and I look around and I'm like, wow, my relationship with my wife is better than it ever has been. Um, I've got more balance in my life. I've got better friends. Um, that have seen through and walked through this mess with me and come out the other side with better relationships. My kids, my relationship, my kids are better. The balance I had between focusing on money and on life was totally different. And so that's when that happens, people start asking you, and that's how the book came about. As people were asking me what happened, I hadn't even thought about it. But then when I began to look back at what I'd done – I saw that the same things that I did were the same things that people have done throughout history, whether it be Abraham Lincoln overcoming bankruptcy, whether it be Walt Disney or or Henry Ford. What is it, the difference, that some people, when they hit that wall, that they just stop and they just squat and stay in that mess? And what is it those other people, they use it to propel them to greater things later on? And once I began to see those things, that's what led me to write the book, and it's really – Has turned my mess into my message, which is kind of crazy. It was probably the best thing ever happened to me. You know, crazy to think, but it it was. It was the best thing ever happened to me, Adam.
0: I think that happens to a lot of people. They discover, uh, and I've heard somebody else say that before you can have a breakthrough, you have to have a breakdown. Wow, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah, before before you have a breakthrough, you have to have a breakdown. And I like Mm. where Les Brown says. Your problem or your troubles have come to pass. They have not come to stay. The only way they can stay is if you invite them in for a long visit. Otherwise, (laughs) I'll also quote Winston Churchill who said, if you find yourself going through hell, keep going. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and eventually you'll you'll get through it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and isn't it true, though, that, I mean, if somebody tells you that they haven't been through hell – They'll probably lie to you about other stuff too, because I think we all, at some point, you know, we—that's part of life. You know, the growth is the struggle, and and it shapes you into who you're who you're supposed to be. So, yeah, I think I think you're right on with that.
0: I, I mean, I've been up and down financially. I've had relationships come and go. I've had a lot of things happen, and what I've learned over time is it just gets easier and easier. To bounce back partially just from sheer experience, but also I think some of it, you know, comes from some of the things you're going to share with us today. So before we dive into the main part of our interview today, uh, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, Jimmy, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And I like to ask every single one of our guest experts the following question, because not only do so many of our guest experts answer it differently, but in many cases they interpret it differently. And I just love the variety of responses we get to this. Now, a lot of our listeners have come to me, and they've said, look at them. I I, I tune into the Business Creators Radio Show every Tuesday morning, and I listen to what all your guest experts have to say. I'm on your iTunes channel. I download the stuff. I take notes and every other thing. And I can do pretty much anything that anybody you've had on your show says for me to do. There's just two things standing in my way, time and money. Now, as I said, this is a question we ask everybody, and what I'd like to do is ask you, do time and money have any implication on how we achieve more resiliency in business and in life?
1: Wow, that's a great question
0: uh, because I think this is ultimately
1: the um, the main question we all face because it's almost like a seesaw. You've got time on one side. You've got money on the other, um, and what happens a lot of times is is, is that we we get so busy with life that we don't take time for the things that are truly important. Here's the. Right. I, I It's funny that you would ask me this because this, just this morning I, I was at the gym this morning, and I'm looking around. I would never thought of it this way. And I looked around and I said, you know, there's two types of people here. There are people that came to the gym this morning, and there's people that are working out. And I started writing a blog post this morning about that. That it's kind of like that in life. There's certain people that they go to work, and there's per- certain people that work. And you know, I think sometimes you've got to understand that you know the the time we have. The people that are most successful, at least that I've found, as far as achieving what they're supposed to achieve—I'm not talking about financially. I'm just talking about success in life. They find a way to have balance so that they can be where they are. In other words, if if I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at home, I'm at home. And and now this is something that is easy said than done. I'm I'm one of the worst. Yeah. To be perfectly frank, you know what I mean. But the problem is, is that I'll catch myself sometimes where. I leave the office and I come home, but I still got. I'm looking at my phone to check emails and respond when my kid, and my daughter, and my sons are standing there telling me about their day, and I'm not either place, and I'm doing no good for anybody. And so I think what we, you know, ultimately the difference between time and money is, is that you can always make more money, um, you can't make more time. Um, and so I think it's prioritizing, and it's when you're doing something, do it, oh, do it fully and completely. I try to think of it this way. Sometimes I will try to think of every part of my day when I'm most effective, I do this. And I'll think, if this was the last chance that I was going to be able to do this, how would I do? What would I do? So, in other words, when I go to dinner with my wife, if this is the last time I'm going to go to dinner with my wife. I need to shut my phone off. It's just important, you know? If this is the last right. time, for instance, today, right now, if I'm talking to you and this is the last time that I get to share my message of hope, and of to other people that may have struggled or are in struggles, that this too shall pass, how would I do that? What would I want to make sure I said? And I think when we can get to a point where we're living in each moment like it's our last, we're living in each moment where everything we're doing, we're completely present, that's when you start seeing things begin to really happen um, to the good side. Now, like I say, very easy to say. Difficult to implement. But when you can implement it, even if you can just do it for part of a day, wow, everything just really begins to change around you.
0: I just want to latch on to something here because it just really struck me and I found it very revelational. Uh, you know, I, when I lived in Pittsburgh, I belonged to a gym, and I'm in the process of deciding which gym I'm going to belong to here now that I live in Las Vegas since I moved here a few months ago. And, I, and right. right now what I do is I typically go for a run outside because it's a very nice town to go for a run. we got lots of parks. But I remember right. going to that gym, I could look around and I could see that, and unfortunately it was the majority of people that were there to go to the gym. These are the ones who I always had to ask if I could use the machine they were using as lounge equipment. Uh, These these are the ones where when I was up on the track trying to run my three to five (laughs) miles, I constantly had to navigate my way around them while they were walking slowly, three abreast, having uh, obviously more focus in the conversation, in some cases, about baking recipes. Than they were about their workout, and and I think a lot of our listeners know exactly what I'm what I'm talking about when I refer yeah. to these things. And you know, and and I went to a gym, and you know, there were people uh, that I knew who also belonged there, and every so often I'd run into them, and and most of them generally respected. That if they saw me, the thing to do is to give me the nod, and then I'd give the nod <laughs> right back, like yeah, I, right. see ya, I see you, I see you. And then the yeah. thing, and then and uh, but if they wanted to come up and they wanted to like engage in conversation with me, I'd say I'd say you know what, what are you doing after this, or what are you doing Saturday night? Let's make some plans right now because I got to get my workout done because I really mm-hmm. didn't want to be distracted with it. I'm one of these. I, I mean, for as much of a techno geek as I am, I would go to the gym with visible headphones with hanging wires so that people could clearly see that my ears. I'm were plugged and I probably wasn't going to hear them if they were trying to engage me in conversation anyway. Not because <laughs> yeah, I was no, mean, because I was focused. Right. Yep.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's the big so it's just funny It is funny, but it it's funny but it's sad too because it's not just the gym. You know, um, you know, if, if if people are going to a place where they work with other people, I mean immediately when I say there's people that are working and there's people that are at work, they're that's two totally different – and you see those people. You know those people. You know Those are the ones that want to oh, yeah. Those are the ones that are just going to suck the time out of you to where you can't be effective, where when you do finally go home in the afternoon, you feel guilty because you feel like you didn't get anything done. Um, and so I, I think it's just really important to become that person that gets efficient because efficiency is the problem. It's not time. We've all got the same amount of time. You know, I mean, Richard Randall has right. 100 companies. He's got the same amount of time as you and I do, but yeah, right. time on next. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got. So it's effectiveness and what we do with the time we have, and when you get more effective with your time, the money comes. I mean, the money takes care of itself, but time is something that we have to pay attention to.
0: Right exactly so what I'd like to do now is a few minutes ago you told us about some of the changes in your own life uh, some of the changes in your business and the thought made me think of a related question now in addition to all the financial health issues that you are facing uh, what about your physical health because we all know that the kind of stress that comes with a bankruptcy or with Mm -hmm. a significant downturn in the business or even just wondering if you are going to get your paycheck can lead to health issues. I mean, just on a personal note, I remember one time um, I uh, made a payment on an installment loan that I had and somehow they thought I didn't make the payment. So they called me six times in one day, very rudely asking me where the money was. And I had to say, you know... Um, did you not check the notes to see that this was in fact paid and all these calls have been in error? Then have the person say to me, well, maybe next time you should try making your payments on time. And I'm saying, I did. (laughs) Now, even though I was completely in the right there, Mm -hmm. that was a pretty stressful situation for me. So imagine Mm -hmm. somebody um, who has had some serious financial issues. And and I've been there, too. I think we all Mm -hmm. have. So stress and health issues. This is a pretty big deal for entrepreneurs. Tell us more about it. It, it it's huge because you know i think i don't think we understand this but you know the
1: opposite of being uh, at ease is does ease, and that's what happened to me you know as if you can imagine when you're getting ready to lose everything and you're ending up and you know bankruptcy is around the corner you know the last thing i was was at ease yeah you know i mean it was right. it was not and at a time that i was at ease and so consequently, it happened to me. I, I ended up losing my voice um, for three months. I mean, just you know, wow. coughing really bad. And, you know, for those of us that are entrepreneurs that run business, I mean, if you can't communicate with your clients, you can't communicate with your partners, at, my, at that time my partners, employees, and uh, projects that you're doing, you're dead in the water. Um, you know, I, could, right. I couldn't communicate. And so, you know, that just added to the stress. Well, I ended up, you know, uh, ended up in in nashville at Vander, the Vanderbilt voice clinic where i ended up um, going through all these extensive tests with this world-renowned voice doctor and uh i just remember coming sitting there with my wife after a whole day i was exhausted you know after three different interns and the main doctor had done these you know running tubes down you and looking at your throat and your stomach and everything else and i just remember him pausing and he had a little video up on the thing and he said do you see uh, this is your vocal cords, you know, and he's pointing up there. This is your false vocal cords. Can you see a difference between the right and the left? And I just remember him, you know. I had to whisper because I was still, gonna, you know. Yes, I do. And he said, "Well, that's what we call." And I'm thirty, I'm thirty-five, thirty-six years old at this time. He says that's what we call a mass or an abnormality, and we want to get an immediate look at this. Now, here I am, and I'll just tell you, you know, when I walked in that doctor's office. I was angry, to be perfectly honest. I was angry at partners, at clients. I was even angry at God, just to be perfectly frank, because I kept thinking, you know, right. why would you punish me? You know, why? I mean, I'm a pretty good guy, you know. I mean, I attend church. I try to help other people, and I viewed it as punishment. When, why would you do this to me when this guy over here acting crazy, you know, seems to be fine? And uh, I just remember when he kept talking after he told me that, and I just didn't hear a word he said. They rushed me over to the other side of the hospital, and they – uh and put me in this room to take this MRI. and Adam, the nurse says, you know, I'll be in the next room. Your family's in in the waiting room, and uh, just if you need us, you know, just just give us a little shout, and we can hear you. Well, when she closed that door, that big steel door, you know, in there, and kaboom, you know, and I was completely alone. And um, I just remember thinking um, that the very – the thing that I was most angry at, which was God at that time, to be perfectly frank, was the only one that could really help me, you know, and and it just – I just remember thinking, wow, I've just been taking so many things for granted. I just – I mean I don't want to get overly, but I just – I got to a point where I just you said, Lord, just let me see the things that I've been missing. And it was emotional. I didn't even tell my wife or my family when I left there, but it was – I mean I was a different person when I walked out of there than I was going in. I I went in very self-focused. I came out very um, appreciative of the things that I did have instead of the things that I didn't. And um, it just – I mean literally within – the next day, we get back um, home. I'm still in bed because of the medication. My wife comes in, and, you know, she drops, she puts my medicine there, and she just kind of smiled at me, and I just remember, it was like I had just scales pill. I was like, man, she meant it when she said, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, rich or poor. She really meant this, you know, and, man, right. I, just, I, I realized how much I was not appreciating her. I remember my kids coming home that very afternoon. I was still in bed asleep that afternoon. I hear them coming through, my daughters at that time, and they crawl up in the bed with me, and. You know, I've got one on each shoulder, and I'm and, and, and I'm just asking them about their day. You know, it's just a standard thing, you know. And I just remember thinking, wow, you know, I, I had I, there'd be times I wouldn't even see my kids. Not because I was out there doing something crazy, but I would leave before they were awake, and i kiss them on the forehead because I was working, you know, 14 hours a day. And then I'd get home after they were already asleep, and I'd kiss them on the forehead. Well, I mean, we wouldn't even interact. And I just remember thinking, you know, this is the biggest thing and most important thing in your life. You've got to find some balance here. And it really made a difference, and so you know now I think I hope that nobody has to be as hearted as I was where you get woken up to the fact that you know what a lot of this stuff that we're worried about, um if we get that balance that we talked about earlier, um man, everything else will take care of itself, but that balance is where it's at, and in reality, our health is our biggest and our best asset um and you know that's why, like we were talking before. When I went through that, I was angry at everybody else. I had one finger pointing at everybody else when I had four fingers coming back at me. I was 30 pounds overweight, smoking, you know, just living a lifestyle that was going to get you in that mess with that amount of stress. And now here I am coming through it. I'm in better health than I've ever been. I've got better relationships. And I think that uh, the key is, is that you just have to realize and focus on the things you've got rather than the things you feel like you're losing or you've lost.
0: I think that's a very important mindset right there. And you know, I tell people all the time when they're, I mean, I do the coaching from the business perspective and I say, if you will, if you really want to evolve your business and you want to start serving a new market and you want to stop doing that stuff that people have paid you as being the person who does, and you mm-hmm. want to move on to a higher level of service, then the thing you have to do is you need to focus on where you're headed. So, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was working with, uh, I was working with somebody, um actually, but, yeah, even better story. I'll just tell you about myself. Yeah, you know, not about yeah. me. Let's talk about me. But um, yeah. you know, years ago, I owned a web development company. And what I decided, what I realized was, is that the best way I could really serve people is not in overseeing a process of developing websites, because contrary to any public belief, I am not have ever been a web designer. I can't draw a roller with a straight line. I can't even say that phrase <laughs> right. So, uh, so uh, I mean, it's true that we, uh, we were a web designer design firm, but it's because I had designers who did the work and I oversaw the project. So I decided that the best way I could really give to the world was helping people once they had the website. And mm-hmm. I found myself over and over and over having to explain this change and having people cut me off in the middle of trying to explain it and say, well, yeah, yeah, that's all well and good. I have a consultant for that. How much to put on my squeeze page and can we have it tomorrow? And I'm thinking, okay, what did I just waste my breath on? Well, finally, I recognized (laughs) what I was doing. I was was, was wasting my breath. If I wanted to move on into website conversions and email marketing campaigns and product and service launches, I needed to talk about that and focus on that.
1: Right. That's exactly right.
0: Because because the the more I spoke about the other stuff, the more I was still there. But the more I moved my focus to the next place, Uh, the more, the faster I got there. I mean, it it was just amazing how quickly that worked. Now, uh, you've so far spoken with us about financial loss and comeback, and you've spoken with us about health issues, Jimmy. Um, And this is something that's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. So tell us more about how the financial strain affected your marriage and your other relationships. I have thoughts on this, of course, but I'm going to leave this to you.
1: Yeah, you know, Here's the thing, Adam. You know, I was—I don't know if other people can relate to this, but I married way up. I married way above. If that makes sense, I married <laughs> um, way. I mean, the way we say it in the South is, is I—I I've, I've, um, outpunted my coverage, I guess you could say. But what right. was great was <laughs> was that, um, you know, when when things were uh, when my ego and my pride was at its worst, I was not a very easy person to live with, and. Uh, you know, there's there's something to when you think of it this way. We went through some you know some times that hey, it wasn't that our marriage was ever in doubt because of who she is and and hopefully a portion of who I am at my core. Um, but I could just see the decisions I was making was hardening her heart towards me. Our, our relationship wasn't where it should be. And um, think of it this way: if you break your arm, the place where you break it. When it heals, if it if it's set properly and it heals properly, it's actually stronger where it was broken after the break than it was before. And what I found is is that you know when you go through those things, if you can just persevere, if you can just stick through, stick together through it, when you come out the other side, uh, you end up being stronger and better for actually going through it. Now, does that mean it was pleasant? It was fun? No, there were times it was tough. Um, right, man. It, it, in reality. Um, going through that now and and again it 's hard to see when you 're in the middle of it, but persevering and coming through on the other end, it really makes a huge difference on um on where you go forward you know and it can propel you i I heard someone just this past week say, you know when you have struggles like that or you have relationship issues, it can be one of two things: it can either be stepping stones or your tombstone, and in reality, the only person that decides which one it's going to be is us. Um, and luckily, I was married to someone that that uh, always focused on it being a stepping stone. And, uh, you know, you just want to be around people that make you better um, at who you are supposed to be, and that's what my wife is. But I found that with relationships with friends also. You really um, – the people you spend time with, they really shape you. You know, I mean, it really is, is who you become, you know. And um, I love the way Jim Rohn puts it, you know, we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And that's financially, physically, emotionally, relationally. And um, so, I, you know, I think it's critically important that we have those relationships that – and they, they actually, in order for them to grow, they need to go through a little bit of a, a growth and a struggle to, to come out and be all they're supposed to be.
0: Right, right. Now, in a moment here, um, we're going to talk about uh, some – practical, excuse me, practical and actionable tips on what to do to start this process of bouncing back. Because We've been talking a lot about the rock bottom here, and now we're going to talk about the bouncing back. But before we do that, what I want to do is define our terms a little bit. And part of the way that we can define our terms is look at what is stopping people, what's stopping them, slowing them down, and getting in their way. So, Jimmy, what would you say is the single most destructive thing most people do that keeps them from bouncing back. I I think there's two things, Adam, that,
1: that really do that. The first one is what we just talked about, is, is that sometimes we're around people that just um you know, it was a hard lesson to learn, you know, is that some people just aren't for us, you know, and uh the bad thing is is that it's not even that they don't that they're not for us, but they just don't have the capacity. In other words, if I'm in a struggle, a lot of times there's people around me that are going through a similar struggle. And sometimes, what I when I began to realize it was, is that sometimes they just didn't have the willingness to do the sacrifices that I was willing to do, and the things I was willing to do to come out of the struggle. And and so that because sometimes other people can feel kind of like they're at a point where they're, you know, they they don't want to feel bad about their situation. They would rather keep other people and drag people back into the situation so that they don't have to feel bad about them not making the sacrifices. Well, you know, I grew up around the coast and. um down here in northwest florida and we love to have these crab bowls i'll give you a perfect example of what the visualization of what this looks like when we were we would go out to do these crab bowls when i was growing up there's this place in Destin, florida called crab island now now it's this big okay. water you know knee deep waist deep water that uh it's a big party place now you know they'll have live bands out there and boats come from all over and and it but it wasn't that when i was growing up the reason it's called crab island was this knee deep, waist deep water was just full of these blue crabs and so when we were going to have a crab bowl, we'd have to go get the crabs. My dad would pull a boat up on one side of this little uh, shallow water area, and he would get where the tide would drift the boat back across the shallow water. And um, he would tie one of those big wash tubs, if you remember the wash tubs back in the day. Um, and he would tie one of those behind the boat that would float, and uh, he would cut the engine off. It would drift us across there. As the boat would approach, the crabs would run away. Myself, my brother, a couple other friends would be there, and we would actually um, – we would be the ones with the nets, and he would say, there's one. One of us boys would jump off. We'd go scoop the crab up. We'd put it in the bucket that was the the tin wash tub that was floating behind the boat. It didn't take long. We'd fill it all the way up. Well, Adam, I, I remember going to my dad and saying, hey, we've got to put a cover on this because you know if we don't, these crabs, all they got to do is just crawl to the side, and they just fall off into the water back to safety. He said, no, just give them just, – just watch them a little bit, and you'll see what I'm talking about. We don't have to put a cover on it. One of the crabs finally Great. sitting there, and he just goes to the side. He's just—he's about to fall over. One of the other crabs reaches up and just pulls him with his pinchers right down in the mess.
0: And, and you know that one
1: crab would just start shaking, trying to get away, and the other crab would just hold on. As a matter of fact, we would boil those crabs, and it would literally hold onto that crab until the death. And, and I found that some people were the same way. You know, they would—they would literally rather hold on and pull you back in the mess so that they didn't. Feel bad about their situation And and once I realized that And I began to try to surround myself With people, and sometimes we don't even know We don't know positive people We don't know people that have overcome whatever we're in the struggle What kind of struggle we're in I used books, I used autobiographies I found people that had overcome what I was going through And by studying them I got inspired to the fact That hey, this too shall pass I can get past this, other people have Sometimes we've almost got to see Before we can be and if you're surrounded right. with people that are in a mess, all you see is the mess. When you get focused and you get around people that have come through it, all of a sudden you begin to see possibility, and that's a big difference is, is, is surrounding yourself
0: with the right people. Right, right. Now, in your book, Jimmy, you discuss some of the habits and characteristics that most high achievers all have in common. I think before we talk about some practical and actionable tips on how to bounce back, I think we need to work on these habits and characteristics a little bit. It's more about defining the term. So can you share a few of these uh, habits and characteristics that most high achievers all have in common?
1: Yeah. I, what I found was is that most high achievers, and, and I mean a hugely proportionate amount, they all get control of their morning, which sets the tone for their day. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is, is that usually, I mean, there's a big difference in the person that wakes up an hour ahead of time, gets some exercise in, gets some time to reflect on the day, think about things they're thankful for, than the person that wakes up and literally wakes up with 15 minutes to get a shower, get ready, and get out the door. You know, they're behind all day. Then, um, for me, right. when I was in the middle of it, the practical tip that I that I heard and that I still apply to this day. Was is that I want to start my day off from a place of being of the things that I'm thankful for instead of the things I'm worried about. So to this day, right. I did it this morning even, I, I got out of my I got out of bed this morning and I do it every morning. When my first foot hits the floor, I say thank. When my second hit, foot hits the floor, I say you. I concentrate on uh, five to ten things that I'm thankful for. I try to do new things every day, whether it be opportunities, health. Like today, I was thankful for the opportunity to talk to you, and maybe somebody hears what I'm saying, and they don't have to go through the struggle the way that I did. Um, and, and maybe they just they get inspired to, to the fact that you can come through whatever they're facing, and maybe it takes them two months instead of two years. you know. It, so those kind of things, what is it that you're thankful for? And when we focus on things in the morning right out of the gate that we're thankful for, all of a sudden – our eyes begin to come open to the other things that we can be thankful for. When I set the tone in the morning of thinking of things I'm thankful for, then all of a sudden I'll be driving down the road and I'll think of something else or I'll notice something that was there the whole time, but because I was focused on things for so many years that I was worried about, was focusing on things that I was losing, I kept finding more things that I was losing. I kept finding more things to worry about. Most high achievers begin their day in the same way. They typically will... will well, they will touch three different areas; they'll touch their physical nature they'll typically they'll work out because our body and our health is the number one priority because if we don't have that, we can't have the ability to go out there and fulfill and have the energy to do the things that we're called to do. The second thing is is most focus on what they're grateful for they they start their day from a place that they're thankful for things and and they focus on those things which sets the tone for a day of gratitude. Um, and then the third thing is, is if you go back and you look and you read, most start the day with some type of meditation. You know, with me being Christian, it's prayer; it's Bible study. For others, it's right. certain things. But everybody starts with basically the high achievers start a day where they control their morning, gives them the ability to walk into their day with
0: confidence that they can control the rest of the day. Right. I agree with that. Entirely now here 's what I normally do in the morning myself. I normally wake up very early, uh, usually yeah. around five o 'clock in the morning, and i 'm at a point right now where I develop this action habit to the point where even on a day off where i don 't set my alarm it 's <laughs> actually a big deal if I sleep in past six o 'clock a m and i wasn 't always this way uh, before I moved to Las Vegas um, if I was actually, if I, my eyes were open by nine o 'clock in the morning. That was an achievement. It's just a change I made when I moved across the time zones. And the way I achieved it was quite simple. Um, Even though I was now living in the Pacific time zone, I pretended like I was still in Eastern, so I built the action habit. Yeah, yeah. So I rewarded myself on the back end by knocking off work early every day, which was really cool because it gave me some time to enjoy life a little bit and get acclimated to my new city because I got to go out and do some things, which was really really great but uh you know, I'll i'll usually wake up around that time i'll you know uh usually you know, right after my alarm goes off and i wake up uh my cat will come over and start pawing me in the face uh, uh she's <laughs> just one of those and then i'll get up i'll take a shower i'll um usually go for a little walk around the neighborhood and you know and i'll, and I'll just think about all these things that are positive for me and all these things that are working and uh and i'll think about um and I'll think about some of the opportunities that lay ahead of me. So when I do um get to work, I'm approaching it from a position of I'm approaching it from a position of strength and a position of gratitude and abundance. And what's also another thing I do is I make sure I accomplish something before I even look at what's coming in. Like I don't look at my email. I don't look at right. my Facebook. I don't check my voice messages until I've already done something tangible and revenue generating. Mm. And the mm. worst way to look at that is even if, even if what I find when I start checking my incomings is going to be enough to derail my whole day and turn it into a living nightmare – at least I can say, at least I can say that the day was not a total waste. I got yeah. something done. Yeah,
1: and you're building momentum, right? I mean, once you get that yeah. first thing done, you're you're in a place where you're beginning to have momentum, you know. And I think that's critically important. Um, and one thing I wanted to add about the, you know, the fact that. When we focus on things, you know, it's it, it, literally you, your eyes are open to them. You know, and I'm not talking about some kind of new age crazy talk here, but I mean, literally, when we focus on things, they expand. I mean, you know, I, I'll give you a perfect example. That's why it's so critically important to start your day focusing on things that you want to happen rather than things you're worried might happen. My wife, a few about six months ago, got one of these White Buick Enclaves, or White Buick Enclaves is a four door rendezvous. I'd never even seen one, I didn't even know they existed. The day after she right. got it, I'm driving down the road. And here come, here she comes. And so I start waving at the white Buick Enclave. It's not her. I mean, and so I go about another mile, and there's another one. And then a couple more miles, there's another one. And I'm like, where did all these – did did all of a sudden everybody buy one because my wife did? No. They were there the whole time. You know, But I just wasn't aware of them. And so I think when we begin to focus on the things that we want to happen, a lot of things are right there. Opportunities are around us all the time. When we begin to focus on certain opportunities, all of a sudden our eyes and our consciousness is made aware of them in ways that we didn't even realize everything that we had at our disposal. And so that's why when I say that it's critically important that we start our day from a place of the things that we're hopeful for, the things we're thankful for. Because subconsciously, I don't know how it works, I, I, but I can tell you it does, that when we focus on those things… We begin to to notice them, and they begin to just show up. You know, they talk about the law of attraction. You know, and 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 parts of that I agree with, but obviously it's action that makes the difference. But just by focusing on those things, a lot of times it's not that you're attracting them; it's that they've been there the whole time. You just now are in a place where you can realize that they're there, and uh, that's that that makes a huge difference in my life on how my days go is how I begin my day and what I focus on.
0: Yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely I think you're absolutely right about. All of that, and you know that that gives us a lot to think about here. So uh, where where I'd like to go next here is that, um, and we're going to get to these practical and actionable tips. I promise our listeners we're getting there. We're about three fourths <laughs> yes, of the way through funny. here. But yeah. um, but what I'm but what I'm finding here is that I think if we do some background first, it's going to make it that much more powerful. Now, Jimmy, wow. a lot of times, and I've been here myself, and almost everybody I've spoken with agrees with me that they've been there themselves at some point is we can't move forward until we accept our past. Now, what can we do to heal the old wounds that are holding us back from moving forward? And I'd like to add something else to this if I can, because I think this is something that it takes real courage for folks to face. And I believe you're going to have a great answer for this. What, I mean, we have all been in situations that uh, we look back and we say, you know, that really was our finest hour or Mm. that was a really Mm. tough decision I had to make, and I recognize it had some consequences that were not entirely positive for everybody involved. Uh, It was a a lesser of two evils, or it's one of these hard decisions we're told that we're going to have to make more and more of if we want to be truly successful. So there comes this point where we just have to start looking at ourselves in the mirror again if we ever want to shave, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. what can we do to heal some of these old wounds and move forward?
1: Yeah, the biggest thing that I found... Is is that when we begin to focus on other people and helping other people, it actually helps us. So, for instance, right. you know, if if you've gone through a divorce and you've, uh, for instance, and you come out a little better on the other side, you know, find somebody that's going through a divorce and just tell them where they are and just say, "Hey, I know right where you are. I've been there, and I'm, I haven't got this thing figured out, but you know, things will get better." Just encourage other people. In business, for me, what I did is is I believe it's vitally important that we have someone that we're Learning from, you know, a mentor or a coach, and then someone that we're actually mentor or coaching because it helps us grow. And so what for me with business is I found other people that were going through financially difficult times. It wasn't even that I had it figured out when I started helping other people, but I may have been just a couple steps ahead of them. you know. And I could say, listen, I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet but I was right where you are just a little while ago and at least you can get to here and then once you get to here we're going to keep going forward. And when you help other people, you think you're helping other people. You know, you think you're doing something for them, but in reality the way that you heal all wounds is you give people what you didn't have. You you actually focus and find those things that you can help other people with. So, you know, if whatever it is business-wise, if, you know, for instance, that's ultimately what you do. When when you got into the business you're in, um, and you'd made that shift. Part of the reason you made the shift was is because at some point you didn't understand it. Once you figured it out, it was one of the biggest things that helped your business grow. So then what you right. did is is you went back and helped other people figure out how to do what you had taken such a long time and been through so much struggle to do. You were able to help them do that in a shorter, more efficient time frame. And sometimes with our wounds, because life is can cause wounds at times – the biggest thing we can do is is just begin to help other people that are that have struggled with the same thing you're struggling with, and it, it's amazing the difference that makes. Because you know who's the best teacher the person that's been through something, you know. And so yeah. when you begin to open up and be uh, transparent with other people, it breeds trust, which ultimately ends up bringing healing uh, for you. I, I had someone one of, one of my coaching clients say this to me. Um, he said. You know, man, I just can't thank you enough. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how much you've helped me take my business to a new level, and I just these things I was struggling with. It, you know, you've really helped me get through them, and I and I was just brutally honest. I said, I got to tell you, I really appreciate you saying that. And it wasn't the original reason I did this, but the reason why I do this is, man, there's nothing better. There's no drug. There's no feeling you can find better than when you help somebody else, and. Ultimately, I told him, I said, I said, listen, you don't even realize this, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, you think I'm helping you, but in reality, you're helping me heal this wound that I don't know that I could have gotten, you know, felt as good about and been able to share as much now if I had not been able to help you. So, just find some people to help. When you start helping other people. It's gonna affect your business, it's gonna affect your finance, it's gonna affect all those wounds, all of a sudden those wounds are not gonna be open anymore, they're gonna to begin to scab over and uh, and things are gonna get better.
0: I'd like to add something to that because it's just really occurred to me. Tell me if I'm heading down the wrong path here, but I think I got it. Um And you've probably been here, Jimmy, yourself as well, where you find yourself reflecting on those things that went wrong or where you failed or experienced challenges or even when you did things that, uh, you know, to put it charitably, were just not your finest hour. And you keep reflecting back um, and you're thinking, how could I have done this differently? Um, And sometimes it gets to the point where you start substituting what actually happened with a vision of the way you feel it should have happened. And I think a lot of people do this. I mean, and I found myself doing this a lot of times in situations where I felt I didn't measure up or I felt inadequate. or I felt speechless because I was shocked or surprised or what have you. And part of the defense mechanism in me was Adam, we're not going to let this happen again. So I keep playing in my Mm -hmm. mind over and over and over again, how I would have done it differently. And I think what you're Mm -hmm. saying here is that's all well and good and now that you 've played it in your mind and you've visioned yourself handling it differently and you 've seen how that may have gotten you a different result, now you can go to others as part of your own healing process and help somebody else avoid the challenge you faced or overcome the right. challenge you faced in a different way
1: i think I think that 's the natural next step to what you 're talking about and and in reality i mean here 's the thing is when you begin to realize that um you know i the last thing I wanted to do was to go through a financial meltdown and it being right. vain. You know what I mean? I I just wanted there to be some type of purpose in it. I wanted somebody uh to be able to be helped by it and once I began to focus on that um the pain of that began to subside, you know, and um I began to, you know, think that hey, maybe this there was a reason behind this and maybe it was for good. And that's a huge change from when you're in the middle of it, you're coming out of it and your bitterness and anger and or feeling lost and feeling all that, that, once you begin to help other people, you know
0: you're beginning to be healed. Right. I think that's really great. So now, since we have about uh, 10 minutes left in our uh, episode here, and I do want to give you a couple minutes at the very end to share a couple things with our listeners, now we're going to ask, Jimmy, the practical and actionable steps and tips on what to do to start the process of bouncing back.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great.
0: Here's the first thing is
1: first thing is is you've got to and it's the process in any any type of recovery process whether it be alcoholics anonymous. The first thing you have to do is stand up and say my name is Jimmy for instance and I'm an alcoholic. You have to admit and take responsibility for the situation. For me, you know, there's things in life that we can't control. But a lot of times when I looked back, there were situations where I allowed people to get close enough to me to hurt me. Um, When I finally took responsibility and I quit blaming other people, and I just said, you know what? I made some mistakes here. I I, I need to make some changes. When I finally did that instead of all I could do is talk about what other people had done to me… Um, when I did that, that's when I began to turn the corner. Once you admit and take responsibility for that, I, I did it in a pity party. I, I basically took a time where I took one day, and I wrote letters to the people I thought had done me wrong. I didn't send it to them. I tore them up at the end of the day. I just whined about how bad things were, everybody, what they'd done to me for one day. And I said, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to come to a point where when I wake up in the morning, all that's going to be in my past. And it was like it was the world was lifted off my shoulder. You get to a point where you say, you know what, I can't do anything about my past. For me, for three years, I let what was going on and it had happened in the past control my future. And what we've got to do is you've got to get to a point where you say, I can't do anything about my past. I'm going to draw a line in the sand, but I can affect my future. I can move things in a different direction so that my future looks better than my past. And when you admit right. those that your responsibility to that, that's that first step. You know, and once you do that then you gotta believe you, you you it's worth it. You've gotta begin to focus on the fact that you know what? There's a reason why I went through this, there's a reason why I've been this. A lot of times we have self inflicted wounds, sometimes we have things that we couldn't have controlled. Either way, there's something to be learned and in reality, like I mentioned earlier, it's a chance for you to turn uh those setbacks into stepping stones where you actually become better and uh, that you learn from them and that you know, you, you, you have You have more than you had before because they can't take your wisdom. They can't take your work ethic. They can't take your ingenuity, your creativity. And once you begin to focus and believe that, you know what, I can get past this… You do that by finding other people that have done it. Once you do that and you, you begin to believe, you flood your mind with that positivity again. Now you begin to feel it. I mean, literally, you can feel something begin to change inside. Your thoughts are more focused on hope instead of worry. You're focused more on opportunities instead of obstacles. All of those things begin to change. Once you begin to change those things, and then in reality, you've got to get yourself a plan of action. You have to set some goals. They can be small to create momentum, like you talked like we talked about earlier um but you have to say you know understand that you know if it took you a while to get in the mess you're in, it may take some time to get out. Things can change overnight, typically, the proper healing and the way to get through things is one step at a time, and so understand right. and set those short term and those long term goals where you begin to build momentum moving in that direction and then ultimately. Like it was for me, you have to begin to turn your mess into your message. You have to share with other people openly and honestly what you struggled with, and when you do that, you begin to help others and you begin to heal from those things. Um, for me, you know, it's one of those situations, you know, in, in a five-minute time period, it's hard to get into exactly how you do everything, but from that standpoint, once you know the core issues there, it really um, gives you that the ability to um, to start bouncing back from those things.
0: Yeah, I think that's extremely powerful and I think you raise a lot of really good points there. And I mean and again, you know, we just have to look at what I what you know, another thing I get out of that is we can't really change what happened in the past. We can certainly learn from it, we can certainly move forward right. from it, and it makes us stronger the next time it came around. I mean, recently I've been doing some introspection along that because I realized that uh, I kept reflecting too much on things that happened in the past, things that weren't my finest hour, things where I felt that I was caught unawares and speechless and didn't know what to do. And what I, what I ultimately recognized was is that uh, uh, there are lessons to be learned here. And I've learned through some of my own recent challenges, because, you know, we all face challenges on a daily or regular right. basis at some degree or some level, that I'm I'm almost surprising myself at how resilient I can be in dealing with these because I'm able to say to myself, you know Adam, you've been through something like this before or you've had a tough situation of this degree before. And look, you're still here and you still got another round in you. So, what are we going to what are we going to do to get past this? What are mm-hmm. we going to do to resolve this? What are we going to do to move forward as quickly as possible? And right. with this power backing me up, I think it puts me in a situation where where I'm really able to stay focused and also to allow myself that every so often things are going to throw me for a bit of a loop. And we can't Mm -hmm. just suppress them and say, well, just, you know, put on your big boy boxers and (laughs) and move (laughs) forward. Uh, You know, you do have to sometimes, uh, and tell me your thoughts on this just real quickly. It's my belief that, you know, you do have to give yourself a chance to be broken and give yourself a chance to see uh, what it looks like right after Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall before you put him back together again. Right. Yeah.
1: And and that's the thing is I think we live in a society where we think that, you know, we think of pain negatively. Pain is actually the ability. It's our body telling us that some things need to change. You know, for me, it was almost a guttural pain on a daily basis that that worry and that stress that I was in that I had to change something. And so I think we need to feel the pain, you know, and understand that that pain is there to give you the and, and to cue you in that you need to make some changes. And, um, you know, it just to share also because it is tough to say share this that quickly but I did uh, and this is a free video series I think we've all got something that we're trying to overcome you know whatever it is overcoming Great. it you know and so if you go to overcomingit.com – dot com. Um, you know, you can sign up, and I email. There's six videos on the steps that I talk about in the book. It's free. You know, if anybody wants to see those, and uh, those really I kind of get a little more detail of of how to use these steps and kind of what it did in my life. But um, I wanted to make sure I got your listeners some practical tips, and and uh, those that's a place that they can get that in the limited time we have if they want some more information also.
0: Great, great, great. Well, I'm actually going to ask you to kind of repeat that and expand upon that right now. Uh, First of all, you know, let me just say, uh, Jimmy Burgess, thank you so much for being with us on the Business Creators Radio Show today. And what I'd like to do with all of our guest experts who help our listeners win at the game of business and marketing is just uh, turn things over to you for about two minutes and just give our listeners uh, a quick sense of how you serve business creators and how folks can get a hold of you if they'd like to explore this topic further on their own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let me just first start with, let me repeat what I just said about, this is a this is a free video series that I did where I just kind of break down the steps in the book um, over a six-video um, set of those steps. And it's called, and you can go to overcomingit.com because we've all got something that we either need to or are trying to overcome, and it'll give you some practical tips. You know, it's, my business, um, really, where we're focused right now, Adam, is, is that, Everything is trending. Um, where we are doing a, uh, a launch um, next week of my book, "What Just Happened: How to Bounce Back in Life, So You Can Do More, Have More, and Be More." And that, right. um, what we're doing is, is it should hit bestseller status next week. You know, if everything pans out the way we're planning. So what we're doing next week is we've got uh, we've got a ton of bonuses Tuesday through Friday, over two hundred dollars worth of bonuses. Um, right. Or, uh, for those that purchase the book next week, you know, including a copy of the audio book, some free training with myself and Kamanzi Constable, who's a tremendous guy and um, a really great coach and uh, trainer. And um, what? So I just, you know, I would encourage people. My website is bemoreuniversity.com, um, and uh, if they'd like more information, they can find my contact information there, and uh, it'll tell them about my coaching program. Mostly, I focus on helping uh, family men um, get to a place where they can build a, a business and a life that they gives them balance, it gives them um, more time, and it gives them the business and the life that they've always dreamed about from a standpoint of uh, of being able to grow in all the areas of life. Um, that's what I do practically, but uh, I, I can't tell you, Adam. How I've, I've had a great time. Let me do this too. I, I don't always do this, but you know, if if it's a situation where um, I, I want to drop in the mail um, uh, a couple copies, two copies of the book, and um, if you want to just, however you want to figure out if somebody makes a comment um, on the uh, on this on your website or anybody who you want to give those to, I just want to give those to you, and and uh, I really appreciate it. It's been great. I've had a, I've enjoyed being with you, and I just really appreciate the opportunity to share my message.
0: Absolutely. We're going to have to have you back again at some point because I know you have a lot to um, share with the world and with our listeners, and I know we barely scratch the surface. There's only so much you can do in a one-hour interview. Sometimes people question me, like, why do you do these in hour increments? Why not uh, 30-minute increments? And I say, we barely get out the basics in an hour. So we'll have to have (laughs) you back, uh, circle you back here sometimes. But once again, as we close up, let me just thank you so much for being here and for your wisdom and your brilliance and the gift you've given for our listeners today.
1: Uh, thank you so much, Adam. I look forward to uh, to being back, and I'll get those uh, books on their way, okay? You bet.
0: You, you bet. So for everybody listening, uh, it's been Jimmy Burgess, our guest here at Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey, I'm your host. Please, sure, please, be, <laughs> please be sure to check out our recent and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, and also subscribe to us on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.